0: Hello everyone, welcome back to Sachs' Essay Today podcast. My name is Michelle Botcher and I'm an associate professor at Clemson University. I'm also your host for this program. Today I'm pleased to be talking with Florida State University master's students, Josh Burns, Dylan Fields, Sydney Pickett, and Corbin Ryder about the year in review. We've all been through a lot this year and this is a chance for us to reflect, celebrate, maybe even gripe a little bit about the year that was 2023. Thank you all so much for taking some time to talk with me today. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank
2: you.
0: Before we start our conversation, I'd like to start each episode with just sort of a get-to-know-you portion. Um, you know, we're very quick to say, this is what I do, or this is where I go to school, but we're way more than those pieces of our identities. So could you each tell us a little bit about who you are outside of work? hobbies, interests, things you're reading, watching, or listening to, whatever you want to share. And Josh, if you wouldn't mind starting us off.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Josh Burns. I use he, him, his pronouns. Originally from North Carolina, and I went to UNC Greensboro for my undergrad. Uh, If I had to sum up three things that really like represent my interests and hobbies, I would have to say... It would have to be music, traveling and learning new things, um, you know, on a daily basis. I love to listen to music like there's not a day where I'm not listening to music, especially if I'm going from one place to the other or I'm working on something, you know, just listening to like my favorite songs that I have on playlists, listening to new albums and also just like collecting physical versions of music. That's the thing I'm really big on, like vinyl CDs. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that's that's a big thing for me. but also, always looking for a chance to travel when I can, especially on a budget, because traveling can be very expensive. Uh, but especially this year, I've tried to find chances to travel outside of Tallahassee, you know, going back home to North Carolina, traveling to Georgia and going to Atlanta for the Saxa conference. Also went to the Midwest in Michigan for the first time ever uh, with my partner. So that was a lot of fun. And then lastly, you know, learning new things is, you know, through like podcasts on a daily basis, trying to read for fun as much as I can, even though it can be very difficult to find the time to do that. Then some things that I'm watching right now, I'm actually watching through Vampire Diaries for the first time. Uh, So that's been a lot of fun. But I definitely do plan on, you know, watching some seasons of shows that I, I need to catch up on over the break.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Josh. Dylan, how about you?
3: absolutely hello world uh my name is Dylan Fields I use he they pronouns uh originally from Kingsport Tennessee and attended East Tennessee State University in Johnson City Tennessee for my undergrad some things that I love to do are like many of the people on this uh podcast I love to cook so I'm sure that some of them will talk about that later I also love to read uh read for fun not read for class of course you No. Know. um currently reading Sharp Objects by Gillian Flynn which is such a good book. I'm rereading it. Um, 10 out of 10 would recommend for all of those out there. Uh, I love listening to music. Music is one of the things that just helps me escape from all of the craziness of the world. Currently in Gag City uh, with Pink Friday Part 2 by Nicki Minaj that just came out. Shout out to the Queen. Also spent a big portion of the year listening to both Beyonce with the Renaissance album and her current single out, My House, which is so good. Um, And also Taylor Swift, which is also kind of an unpopular Popular opinion with some of the people on this podcast. <laughs> However, those are my top threes right now. I would say I also love watching reality TV. Reality TV is like my get up. Uh, So I'm currently watching Real Housewives, a couple different seasons. So I'm trying to keep up with uh, Beverly Hills, Salt Lake City, uh, and Potomac right now, which are my three favorites. Finally, I'm super excited because RuPaul's Drag Race, uh, the new season is going to be coming out in January. So I feel like my life is going to come back to normal. Uh um, I'm going to get my one true love back, which I'm so excited about.
0: Wonderful. Thank you very much for that. Sydney, how about you? Tell
2: us about you. Hey, y'all. My name is Sydney Pickett. My pronouns are she, her. And um, I'm originally from Evans, Georgia, which is right outside of Augusta, Georgia. I went to undergrad at the University of South Carolina. I always have to say go Gamecocks um, because I love there. Um, But some of the things I like to do in my free time, um, similar to a lot of people on the call that we all talk about is definitely um, music, I know me and Josh talk about music all the time, um, but that's definitely one of my favorite things to kind of listen to and kind of dissect the lyrics of different artists. So I'm a huge class uh, classic rock fan. So um, on my Apple Music replay, uh, my top artist is always the Beatles, followed by Led Zeppelin somewhere in there. Um, so definitely, definitely kind of fitting the vibes of the cold winter um, that we're slowly transitioning into in Florida. Um, I recently started picking up the hobby of reading for fun. Uh, Like Dylan said, we are reading for fun, not for class. (laughs) Um, So right now I'm finishing up The Color Purple um, in time for the musical, which is coming out pretty soon. I'm really excited because um, I just recently started reading and it's really cool to be able to read something um, before I got to see the movie of it. Um, I also love, love, love to try new food and cook. Um, I usually try to try a new restaurant, you know, if money allows um, every month. So um, you try a new restaurant, Tallahassee, but I also like to try new recipes all the time. And I also love to travel. Um, I spent probably about five weekends in Tallahassee this semester because I was traveling every single weekend, whether it be in Georgia, up and down Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina. Went to the Midwest for the first time, you know. This was the semester of not being in Tallahassee as I'm finishing out um, my second year. And um, lastly, I do love TV. I go through shows pretty quickly. Um, so I usually try to watch at least three, three shows at a time. Uh, I usually like to pick between a drama, a lighthearted show and a cartoon. Uh, so I just finished Disenchantment as my cartoon. I'm watching Ugly Betty. And I also just started School Spirits, which is on Netflix. So if you haven't seen it, it's a really good show. I'm actually almost done with it even though it just came out yesterday. So, yeah, I got through shows pretty fast. <laughs> Very good. All right. And Corbin, how about
0: you?
4: Hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Corbin Ryder, and I am from uh, Clarksville, Tennessee, um, more specifically Fort Campbell. I'm a military brat, so I've kind of been a little bit everywhere, but that's why I call home. Um, and I went to my undergrad at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Go ball, baby. <laughs> uh, and then my... I, I consider myself a man of sometimes too many interests, but uh, my interest right now, as everybody in this call, is music. Um, I love music just because like every, I, I probably every point in it, like every minute, every second of the day, I'm like listening some to some kind of music, whether it's just like study music or something new, music in a new language. I'm always trying to find like new music to listen to just because you can learn so much about so many different cultures. Which also goes into like one of my other interests, too, is learning about like other languages and stuff and also trying to like learn a new language. It's Kind of hard to do during school because it's just too much information I'm trying to learn at one time. Um, But I do love learning about new languages and just how other cultures like communicate and stuff. And also just learning about the cultures that come with the language, too, as well. And then I also love sports a lot. I, am, um, I have a couple fantasy uh, basketball teams with some friends that I um, engage with on a weekly basis. Have not been too too hot lately, but, uh, you know, NBA season is really long. So hopefully it would be fine. And then also I enjoy cooking a lot, too. Um, I cook a lot. Dylan's my roommate. You tell him I, I'm cooking a lot. <laughs> I'm always cooking something and let some people try it so like I just it's always something that I've done a lot with my mother growing up so like just like something I can do for myself and then um going into shows I'm honestly terrible at watching shows um but you caught me at the right time because I am busy in a show right now uh it's called Rexum. it's about like a soccer team in, in England that Ryan Reynolds and this other guy I can't remember his name um like bought out and they're trying to like ramp up and stuff so caught me at the right time I'm actually into binging this show right now so so yeah
0: Awesome. Well, thank you all very much. It's it's fun to see points of overlap and also, hey, I like this and other people might not, but that's okay. So can still be friends. Well, well, let's kind of get into the student affairs world a little bit. A couple of questions to get you started on how you got into your current roles. Can you talk about your journey into student affairs? And also, a lot of times we talk about how small student affairs is. So if you could speak to one or two people who've been instrumental in your career so far as mentors, supervisors, colleagues, whoever comes to mind, And Dylan, if you would get us started off this time.
3: Absolutely. Um, So I have a very uh, unique, non-traditional pathway into student affairs. So I'm a little older than everyone else in my cohort, which, you know, I'll take on that role. I'll be old, uh, but still act young. So like I shared, I went to ETSU uh, for my undergrad, got a degree in public health, and had originally thought that I was going to go into the nonprofit sector, Uh, and do some HIV AIDS prevention uh, work. However, um, I started an accelerated bachelor's to master's uh, my senior year, like my last year in undergrad. And so I started taking master's level courses in public health. And so my last semester, I was taking solely master's level courses, which was three classes at the time, and then one that was just like an undergrad, like normal class, uh, just to fulfill it degree requirement. And so once I graduated uh, from undergrad, technically, but was still taking master's courses, um, I had already taken four courses at that time for my master's, which was really nice. I would recommend that program if it's available at your institution uh, to anybody. However, what I didn't expect was to start working as a graduate assistant in fraternity and sorority life, And that's where I really feel like I found my love, uh, found my calling. I found myself hating the assignments that I was doing in class, but loving the work that I was doing in my assistantship. And so I started having discussions with some of my mentors that I'll talk about in a second um, about what that looks like. You know, I never knew that that field existed as a career path. Uh, And so with the guidance of my mentors, I took a gap year. Um, And worked on applications for higher education programs uh, with institutions that looked very different than ETSU uh, and provided me with a different landscape of students, geographic locations, and things like that. And so that's kind of how I ended up here at Florida State University. I currently have my graduate assistantship in Student Conduct and Community Standards, which is a great experience and very transferable to all areas within student affairs. However, my heart is still in fraternity and sortie life, and I can't wait to get back into that. And so I would say that some of the best mentors that I've had, my first and foremost is Dr. Maggie Darden. Shout out to her. Um, She's the one that really helped me navigate with not withdrawing, but not completing my program. Um, And working on those applications for some higher education programs and connecting me with some great people amongst the field uh, that helped me get to where I am today. And then, my second one, I would say, is my current supervisor, the future Dr. Amy Haggard. Uh, She has been absolutely instrumental in me exploring my queer identity um, and coming to that realization in this program has been very challenging. You know, sitting through classes where you're talking about your salient identities and you're like, well, I have always known that I'm gay, but like, uh, this program kind of pushes you to come face to face with that. And so she's really helped me navigate that and really help just be an understanding individual in my life and help me explore who I am. So shout out to her.
0: Wonderful. And personally, I'm very excited. You're getting the conduct experience. I did that for seven years and very transferable, like you said. So Sydney, how about you? What's your, your story into student affairs?
2: Yeah, so um, I think for me, I had a little bit more of the traditional introduction to student affairs um, through extended orientation programming. Um, so I came in as a scared little freshman at my big university that was an out-of-state student uh, participating in extended orientation. absolutely loved my experience. And from there, I kind of saw myself getting more and more involved on campus. At the University of South Carolina, I was a hospitality management major, which was so cool at the time. But I just knew that it was just not where my heart was at, and I found myself getting more and more involved, but also paying more attention to my extracurricular involvements than my um, curricular involvements in the classroom, found myself really kind of developing into a person that I want to be and really coming to -to face-to-face with my identities of being a Black woman, but also like being a Black woman at a PWI and like, how can I create my own identity there? So As I got older, older um, throughout my college experience, um, I got I got back involved in my extended orientation programming as a mentor and then a returner mentor. And I like just told my advisor at the time, I was like, yeah, like I'm really enjoying what I'm doing, but I have no clue what I want to do when I graduate. And I was trying to fall back in love with hospitality, but I just could not get there. And my advisor, she just told me, she was like, you know, you can just do what I do. And I just did not know that. I mean, of course, you know, she's an adult. She has a job, but in my head, it just didn't click. Like, oh, I, I guess I could do this as a job. So she was really instrumental in helping me apply to grad school, specifically Florida State University, because that's where she went to for her master's program. Um, so she really helped me kind of she, she was the first person that really challenged me to come to terms with my identity and really encouraged the confidence to grow with, within me. So seeing how she was able to do that within the short amount of time I knew her knew. And that helped me know that Florida State University was definitely a great program to prepare for professionals to make have impactful work and make an impact on students like I was. So I knew Florida State was my top school and I was like, OK, I have to go here because this is where my mentor went to, went. My first year, I worked within the Austin of New Student and Family Programs, which is orientation, transition, retention, which is definitely where my heart is at. But I recently switched um, assistantships to the First Generation Student Office and Trio Programs Office, which is known as the Center for Academic Retention and Enhancement. For my second year, and I absolutely love it here. It's definitely different work than what I was doing over at New Student. And family programs, but I'm learning so much on how to work with different students from different populations, especially because Florida State has such a huge first-generation college student population. So it has been awesome to be over here and I'm enjoying every moment of it. Um, but kind of talking about the people who kind of led me to, um, to where I'm at right now, so that mentor um, and mentors that, kind of, that I talk, kind of talked about before um, at the University of South Carolina is Lauren Haynes and Carly May. They were the advisors for my student orientation programming, um, and they ended up being very, very close friends, um, even as I was as I was a senior, helping me figure out my grad school process. So I think about them all the time. And even when I was thinking about switching my assistantship, they were someone the first people I called to help me go through that process. Some other people, John Tilly and Jared Logan, um, they were my supervisors at New Student Family Programs, and they really trusted me as a grad to do whatever I wanted to do and grow me as a professional. They treated me not just as a grad, um, but they treated me as someone who had value um, to their office, and I really appreciate them really trusting me through that. And then lastly, I want to thank uh, Stephanie Mankata. She is my current supervisor now. And um, while I was transitioning over to the CARE office, I was very nervous, kind of like going back and forth to decide, you know, if student affairs was still for me. And she has definitely reinvigorated that passion and has trusted me to carry on this new scholarship program that that we're in charge of. And I'm really appreciative that she provides me the support and the environment where I can feel comfortable um, at. Wonderful. Jared Logan is
0: an alum of the Clemson program and one of my favorite people in the world. So that's a, a yes. great list of mentors you've had. Excellent. Corbin, would you be willing to go next and share, share your story? Yes. Yeah, so um so I'll
4: say my journey into higher ed is kind of, you know, the typical I didn't know about it, and then I found out about it, and then I loved it. And my undergrad uh so my undergrad degree was in political science with a concentration out in international relations. And originally, I thought I wanted to like, work for the UN and such. And then like, I just found that like, it was very cool things to learn about, but I just wasn't as exciting. And then I found myself being more involved in my other, in my extracurriculars, as such as a lot of people, they find themselves to be more in extracurriculars. Um, and then I ended up starting and chartering my attorney um, at my institution, Line 5, Sun, International Attorney Incorporated. Um, and just through that process, I got to meet Greek advisor for the office. And then just speaking with her more, starting the organization, I started asking her, what do you do? What is this? And then she told me, this is student affairs. And then she like, opened my eyes more up to what it was besides just in Greek life and fraternity story life, but what else it means beyond this beyond the office and into other parts of the institution as well. Um, so from there, like I just started getting more involved in some other organizations too. started doing an extended orientation uh, program. The higher ed was really the route I wanted to take. And it was. Here I am today. So uh, that's kind of how I fell into it, just from starting my charting my fraternity um, and just getting more involved in the institution and just talking to more professionals throughout, uh, throughout my university at the University of Tennessee, um, just seeing what they did. And I just I fell in love with it, enjoyed it, because prior to coming to college, I wanted to be a K through 12 teacher. And I always enjoyed education and stuff. And I saw the importance of education. Um, I just let my parents talk me out of it. Um, but I was like, "Oh, this is my route to get back in education because it's something I I feel like I can do. It feels like it's something that's natural to me, and I don't I feel like I can be myself and still do my job. And I just love the the higher ed space as well. Influential people like I had in my I've had in my uh, who mentored me. Um, so one of my the most influential that's helped me out a lot was his name is Danny Dominguez. He was one of my organization advisors for the organization I was in, in my undergrad. He actually came to uh, Florida State University for his program as well too, but he really helped me a lot with applying to grad programs. Actually, sat down with me, talked to me, like, what do I want to, what What do I want out of a program? What kind of program do I want? And I started asking more about, like, Florida State, and I was thinking this is exactly, like, something I would like to have. Um, and also get away, and get to another different institution, another state, to see how different institutions work. Um, so he helped me a lot out with applying to grad school and really me what I wanted out of a program and what do I want to do with a career in higher ed. And then I think also currently right now, um, some people that have been very influential in my uh, my roles as a professional too has been uh johnny adam jr and also darius robinson um i was a ta for a course on black male leadership this past semester or the co-instructors for the course um but both of them i felt like they did more than what i what i expected an instructor to do for a ta size helped me tell me more how i should ta for the class but they also were concerned with me as like a professional and asking me, like, what else could they do to help me? Um, whether it's like questions I have about TAing or just whether it's questions about applying to conferences or thinking about my future, uh, so on and so forth. Maybe put me on some proposals for NASCAR and other organizations because they've had people do it for them. So they wanted to pay that forward just because they helped them a lot in in their journey. And so they wanted to pay that forward to me. Currently, they've also just like invested a lot of time into me to really see my potential, my growth. Even at like times where I didn't see it in myself, um, so they've been like very influential, encouraged me to be like, like believe in myself more as a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, I have a lot of people I can thank, but we will be here
1: all day.
0: Great, great. Thank you very much for that. Josh, what about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So coming into college as an undergraduate student, you know, I came from a background of being a first generation and lower income student. So college was a very daunting experience for me initially. But I was really lucky and blessed to be part of the Guaranteed Scholar program at UNCG. And that really served and supported first-generation, lower-income, and underrepresented student populations. And through that program, I really was empowered to see college as an opportunity for me to grow like as an individual, but also really critically reflect and think about myself as a leader and what that meant to me. So... In my first year, I started to explore opportunities on campus, and that's really where I got into the student affairs space. And I saw an opportunity to be a peer academic leader, or POW, through our first year experience office and our first year experience courses. You know, and I was just like, you know, like, why not? Let's see what it's all about. Let's see what it's like to engage with undergraduate students in this way and support other first year students. And from then on out, I ended up being a peer academic leader all the way up until my last year in college uh, because I found it really impactful for me personally, but also to be part of other college students' experiences, especially those coming from similar backgrounds, I found to be really amazing. Um, so throughout my time at UNCG, I continue to engage in peer leadership and mentorship um, through that program and others. And then another um, really transformative program that I participate in uh, was the McNair Scholars Program, uh, which was part of that umbrella of TRIO programs that a lot of institutions have for students. And that kind of also introduced me into the academic affairs space, which I think is uh, really part of my journey as well, as alongside student affairs. And that really did empower me to become uh, an undergraduate researcher and to also view grad school as a possibility, um, something that unfortunately a lot of first-generation lower-income students don't really see. Mm -hmm. Um, So that really prepared me into like where I am now at Florida State University Mm -hmm. and really developing a strong passion for student affairs um, and higher education as a whole. Um, You know, I came from a background of wanting to be a secondary Uh, educator. I did uh, student teaching my last semester. I really do enjoy that space and I think uh, secondary education is so important, Uh, but I really developed a strong love for higher education and I feel like I really do belong in these spaces Mm -hmm. as a student and a professional Um, and I'm excited to continue that growth through this program and my assistantship currently is with the Center for Undergraduate Research and Academic Engagement. So, I'm still very much in that academic affairs space, but I've also seen that like there's ways to connect all the student affairs and academic affairs aspects in higher education. Mm-hmm. To shout out some people, but definitely not all the people I could shout out that have really been informative, have provided mentorship and supervision along this journey, I would really have to shout out two people at UNCG, Emily Wurzma and M- Mackenzie Radford, because they both saw the potential in me as I initially became a peer academic leader my first year and throughout all those years they were constant support and they really were the people that introduced me to student affairs and higher education like I would not be here without them and then if I'm thinking about some current people I would just like to shout out the higher ed faculty as a whole at Florida State I feel like they have been very supportive in my experience here Ah, uh, two people in particular, Dr. Um, Perez Felkner and Dr. Cameron Beatty. You know, they've both provided like a lot of support and mentorship and guidance um, during my time here. So very excited, uh, very excited about the future and the the growth that will continue in this in the higher uh, higher ed and student affairs space. Mm-hmm. So, so Florida State faculty, if you're listening to this while
0: you're grading. It was unanimous, head nodding, finger snapping. Just keep that in mind. But I loved sort of the theme across your stories that, yeah, I had this major. That was fine. But you know what? It was this out-of-class opportunity that really drew me in and got me engaged and thinking in different ways about the work. Let's talk about 2023. Better than some of our recent years, I I think. So there was a lot going on. So, of course, this got mentioned earlier, Beyonce and Taylor Swift. They both had concerts. There was war in different parts of the world. I had marked down, you had a pretty good football season. But I just learned the other day, I believe your women's soccer team national champs as well, right? Okay. And there may be other major events going on at Florida State. So shout out to anybody that I missed. But from your perspectives, what are some kind of issues or or they could be positive things or challenges that you saw over 2023 and that could be local national or international and whoever would like to
3: get us started oh I would love to come out the gate swinging all right Um, so I will go ahead and get us started in looking and like preparing for these questions I was thinking about like you know, preparing for like a class speech. I have the facts down to a T. But as of December 1st, we're ne- today, we're shooting on December 11th. So only a 10 day difference. The American Civil Liberties Union has reported 507 anti LGBTQ bills in the United States alone. Um, and so that's across the year of 2023. So 507 bills in one year. 227 of those have been defeated. 84 have been passed. 192 of them have advanced and four have newly been introduced. In thinking about how I wanted to like approach this conversation, uh, so obviously the four of us reside currently in the state of Florida, and so that's obviously something that's important to us, but in me thinking about where I feel safe um, and where I feel like, you know, feels like home. I've shared that I'm originally from Tennessee and I can't say that neither the state of Tennessee nor Florida, either one feels like a safe space to me as a queer individual. Um, And so in exploring those, Florida alone had like, I believe, 12 bills. It was between 10 and 12, if I remember correctly. But some of those most important ones that like impact the work that I do Uh, So HB 1521, which is facility requirements based on sex. Uh, So I've spoken about this in class and things of that nature. But working in student conduct, we are now starting to see reports come in of individuals that have been reported for using a restroom that is not assigned to their gender at birth, um, which they can legally do now and you can legally be arrested for. Uh, And so that is something that is definitely a challenge that I think that our field is going to be facing, uh, especially as a major event, because now I have students that are coming to me crying, um, where do I use the restroom on campus? Because I don't feel like there's a safe space for me to use a restroom. Mm -hmm. Um, Because at Florida State University, and I think most schools across the state of Florida, they have removed these gender inclusive restrooms uh, and now are calling them some stupid thing like family restrooms or interchange words here um as a way to appease the state government however uh they in doing so they're taking away public restrooms for students which is kind of crazy um there's also health care restrictions so uh the state bill 254 uh which impacts treatment for sex reassignment surgeries. Um, and so there are trans individuals in the state of Florida that are currently worried about how they are going to get treatment for their sexual reassignment surgeries that they've either underwent or were planning on doing. Now, Florida, we'll finish that up, uh, but we'll come back to Tennessee because, you know, there uh, there's a city, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, which made news this year. Um, for citing homosexuality as indecent behavior um, and making it illegal to go through certain indecent behaviors in the public setting. One of those being anything that involved homosexuality, Um, which is very interesting. Murfreesboro is not far from where I live. Uh, If you're talking like distance, like I consider six hour drive is like not that far. Mm -hmm. Um, And so if you're within that, I'm calling it not that far. And so Murfreesboro is just a hop, skip and jump away Um, And so if I wanted to go home and if I wanted to, you know, wear makeup in public or I wanted to hold the hand of a boy or I wanted to kiss a boy, um, that could be seen as indecent behavior um, and I could be arrested for that. Now, that has recently been amended. Uh, However, the bill is still there and the intentionality behind it still stands. Um, And so I think in both states that I currently call home, we have to do better. We have to do better.
0: Thank you so much, Dylan. Other issues that you all are seeing over the course of the year?
1: Yeah, I guess something I would also like to speak upon. I mean, especially what Dylan was talking about was a very salient example. Um, you know, being in the state of Florida and also being a queer identifying individual. Um, something that I haven't been as personally impacted by, but over, you know, I think the entirety of our lives that are um, in this group and in the program, gun violence and, you know, mass shootings have continued to be a constant presence. And if we're thinking about in the space of like education, higher education, secondary, you know, K through 12, like that continues to be such a, such a um, presence and thing that we have to constantly think about and worry about. I mean, just simply this year, there have been multiple instances of gun violence and um, mass shootings at college campuses. I think this year, this is just a couple examples. I'm thinking of like University of Michigan, University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill had some um, incidents that occurred. And, you know, for educational spaces to be spaces that we want students to come into and uh, come as their authentic selves and to also grow and learn and you know, being amongst other, others in community and in an educational community, I think the presence of gun violence is something that takes all that away. Like, there's always that threat. Um, and if we're thinking about at the state basis, and Florida is just one of the examples, one of many where legislation is still being passed and introduced that, you know, increases that likelihood of gun violence because of, you know, um, conceal and carry laws and things like that being a thing so, you know, not even though I'm not being personally impacted by it or I haven't had that right in my face, you know, being like aware of like what's going on on a national basis and seeing that is still something that I think about and reflect on a lot just because of how that's connected to educational spaces and um, campuses.
0: Absolutely. And just within the last few weeks, the shootings at UNLV Um, I mean, Josh, you and Dylan are both talking about these foundational issues of safety and just ability to navigate the learning space. And I do think that those are major issues and the end of the uh, struggle or the conflict around those issues, it's a ways off for sure. So other thoughts?
2: Yeah, um I was gonna speak along the lines kind of similar to Dylan about the legislation that is going on all across the nation. Um however I think Florida is the more is the one of the more forthcoming states about you know the, the policies that they're putting in place, which is um the banning of DEI initiatives or funds towards DEI initiatives for DEI initiatives, but also DEI education. Um, in higher education institutions um, across Florida. So I think this is something important to talk about, especially us being aspiring higher ed student affairs professionals, because we've seen in real time, some of our programs um, either get cut, get funding cut, having to change our names, having to change a lot of the programs that we put on, even when it comes to training our students get cut because of this. And it's been really interesting to see and to live in Florida while this is happening, because you can definitely tell that our students are not getting the same type of training um, around these issues that they need to be. Um, especially me being working in um, orientation programming, you know, it's very important for us to be as equitable, uh, uh sorry, equitable and inclusive when we are meeting new people um, and um trying to make people feel welcome here at the university, especially because Florida State is trying to be HSI, you know, when we're going to try to bring in more people of color into the institution, you know, is important that we do have uh, inclusivity at the forefront, especially when we're training our students. So um, with us being second years, we've been able to see the difference between the first year and second year and how we've had to alter some of those trainings. And we see that our students are just not kind of getting it. Um, as much as they were before, or even to the point where you know students they're looking for these resources on campus, but the names are just so changed to the point where they're like, is this even the office I need to go to to find you know um, the wel- the the student the student agencies that have the same identities as me? Um, so I don't have all the facts like Dylan has. However, is definitely something that um, has kind of affected us in our education. Of course, I feel like a lot of people in our cohort were really passionate on making sure that we are um, spreading uh, DI initiatives and DI trainings to our students so they can be um, the most informed students as possible as they're growing into young adults. Um, But it definitely has made our lives a little bit harder on how can we how can we Um, how how can we adequately prepare our students for the real world when we're not even able to talk about some of these things? So, um, definitely very interesting. Um, and I know a lot of us, a lot of us have kind of taken these legislation pieces and kind of put it into our future decisions as to you know, do we really want to work in a state that prevents us from talking about these things that are important to us? Do we really want to? Live and work there. Do we want to exist there? Because um, you know there are plenty of other states that are protecting us and what we want to talk about,
0: right? How about you, Corbin? What would you add?
4: Yeah, like the last thing, kind of going off that too as well. One um, other thing I think is big that's happened in like higher education, like overall this year, is um, the Supreme Court case ending a uh, race-based uh, form of action in uh, college admissions. And I think it's just uh, important to reflect on because this has already been done in other states, such as California, um, and their top universities. I mean, it's been like twenty-five uh, some years, and we've seen that those top universities in California um, have become less diverse due to those, due to like uh, and to uh, a race-based affirmative action in college admissions. So I think it's something that we're important to reflect on and see moving forward. We see like a lot of these legislations going through, talking about LGBTQ plus. DI education and now like ending uh, race-based affirmative action. So kind of like reflecting how all this comes together. I feel like it's all like happening at the same time. So it's like reflecting like what is, what is how is this going to affect us for the future? And like, so I think about, and I know a lot of us think about twos. While this seems, it's starting to, it's like the reality right now. is how we're going to move forward and still do our work as uh, professionals in our field. Just still continue day in and day out to give students the help that they need on this spaces to make them feel safe. To also still give access to resources and stuff um, and education to like other communities that, that that's harder to access for them too as well with a lot of these uh, legislation bills going through the Supreme Court at the state level, local level, um, wherever it's at. It's, it's happening all over and you got some states like us in Florida like be loud about it but um, there's a, lot, there's a lot of other states too that do similar things. They're just more low-key hush-hush under the under the, um, under the rug kind of a deal that you just got to be more attentive to. So I think like reflecting the whole year, it's like, I feel like it's all happening at once, but it's important to stay educated, like know the facts, like like Dylan, to uh, know what's happening around us, to know how we can move forward. I feel um, it's something I think about too, as I, like I said before, I think about how we can still continue to move forward and do our job to right. the best of
0: our ability. Well, and I think, you know, my undergrad is in history and I love history, but there are, periods of history that are far less engaging than others. this is not one of them. I mean, there is so much going on. And there are a lot of times when it seems like politicians and legislators don't pay a lot of attention to higher ed. And they're, they're very um, engaged, not necessarily as informed as we might like them to be, but they're they're watching and they have some input that they're trying to give the, the next question you all kind of have already taken us there, but are there other things specific to higher education or even more specifically related to student affairs? I mean, everything that each of you has talked about is related to student affairs. Cause to your point earlier, Students are going to come to you when they're struggling and they can't find what they need. Are there other things that you're seeing through your coursework, through your assistantships, through field experiences, conversations with your colleagues and supervisors, other things that you would highlight over the past year?
2: I think... Kick off this one. I was really excited to see this because I was like, "Oh, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about." And one of the issues that I did that I did want to bring up was what staff retention is looking like in higher ed and student affairs careers because this is something I'm very passionate about. Because I last semester I had my um, whole entire office leave, and it was just me as a grad holding down a whole department for one, one week, and then we got a director, luckily. But you know, staff retention is not looking really well for higher ed right now. And for me, um, I did a lot of projects on this last semester on, you know, why are people leaving? What are institutions doing to keep their professionals? Um, and how are we supporting the people to prevent them from leaving? And I think overall, a lot of a lot of what I found, a lot of the research I found is that a lot of the higher ed professionals, you know, they know that it can get better, um, whether it be through pay, uh, whether it be through re- remote work hours. They know that there are better options out there. So a lot of them are leaving. For a lot of higher ed student affairs professionals, or at least supervisors, I think it's important to highlight that, you know, in order to prevent your staff from leaving, you know, we need to really, we really need to ask them, you know, what can we do to keep you here? Um, whether it be for pay, whether it be more sick hours or um, sick paid leave, You know, our professionals are getting burnt out and that's why they're leaving. A lot of them are leaving higher ed or they're just switching through um, to different institutions because other institutions are providing them more initiatives that are based on self-care. And as we know, um, student affairs, it takes a lot of work. Um, We do work very late hours. We work er very early mornings and we do it for the passion of it to give back to um, the community that gave so much to us. However, you know, at some point for some people, the passion runs out. And I think the main thing is that is because we are we do feel a little overworked, um, we aren't getting paid enough. I think another thing that a lot of people don't consider that when professionals leave is who's going to take up the slack. And I think that we need to focus on our uh, expectations for grad assistants. It should not be the expectation for grad assistants to step up as professionals without the pay. Mm-hmm. And like I said, as someone who's had um, professionals quit, and I'm happy that they were able to find other opportunities that were able to suit them so they could better take care of themselves and be able to be closer to family. Um, However, it was kind of the expectation for me me and the other grad assistant to step up as professionals um, when it's like, no, we're here for school. Like I came here for my education. If I wanted a real job, I would have gone out and went and got a real job. So I think this is definitely an issue that a lot of upper level administrations should stop expecting grads to step up to. Be a full-time professional when that's not really something that they signed up for and for grads i feel like it should not be the expectation for them to feel pressured to be able to step up to those because the office will fail and it's like the office will be fine i think there should have been some more preventative me- measures to make sure that our professionals don't leave um, to prevent all that from happening
0: or at the very least if you have a single office that gets vacated then at least go in and explore what's going on there. So that when you bring new, right. people in. yeah, excellent point. And I know tons of people are talking about this and it's really interesting because the dynamics are different, right? When I came into the field, there were more people than jobs. That's not the world today. So being creative and figuring out what do new employees want? You know, what will keep them there? You can't do the, well, that's just the nature of the work because it isn't everywhere. And it certainly doesn't have to be. So great point. Other thoughts on that or other issues that you all are seeing or thinking about?
1: I think one thing that's very much connected to what Sydney was talking about um, and that I think is Happening at like a really an international national and like at an institutional level is really like what we're facing right now with the economy and like inflation as much as we might think of like campuses being uh, there's like a bubble protecting us of like what's going on with these outside forces because of inflation and like talking with a lot of students, students are struggling to pay for the things that they need as they're a college student, which is already already like an, an issue right and already a challenge for students but it's very much affecting students at their level, making decisions about like, do I want to go to college with how the economy is right now, with how expensive it is to like pay for the things that we need to pay for on a daily basis. If we're thinking about student affairs professionals, like I think that ties into like what Sydney was talking about with, do I want to stay in this position that maybe I'm actually not getting a wage increase? And as as things are getting more expensive, like how am I going to like stay in a position and be able to sustain my life, um, and then it's affecting institutions and funding. Right, and we we got to pay for things still, right? So I think institutions are looking about what positions do they currently have, and can we actually get rid of some of these positions? And I think at some institutions, and I'm thinking maybe a little bit more to my um, alma mater, UNCG. They're going through some funding issues right now. They're eliminating certain student affairs positions or, you know, positions maybe they don't see as much value in keeping. So I think the larger economic conditions are really affecting our college campuses more definitely uh, than others. And then kind of thinking about this as well, something that's happening at Florida State University and our um, HBCU, Historically Black College University, that's right next door to us, um, Florida Agricultural Mechanical University, or FAMU, are facing on-campus housing shortages for their students, and I think a lot of other campuses are facing this as well, which is a crisis because a lot of students are not going to be as able to find off-campus housing to be able to actually go to a higher ed institution and go to classes and, you know, live their life. So I think those large economic factors are really impacting a lot of the, the experiences of college students, student affairs professionals, and really everyone that's involved at the at the campuses
0: great points
1: yeah
4: and i was kind of like one of the add-off one of the points Josh is talking about the economy how there's a lot of inflation going on right now too and then something i see a lot in my office we talked a lot about um, i didn't mention earlier but i'm a graduate assistant in the center for health advocacy and wellness so all things healthy obviously but a lot of things we're seeing students want to talk more about is like nutrition food insecurity um which you're starting to see which has always kind of been an issue for college students um but it's becoming more now I have like some of my students they're really deciding should they pay for this thing they need for school or should they go eat I'm like you should you should eat first because that's a base necessity you're not gonna be able to you know think properly in school and like have a be mentally stable to like complete school if you're not getting the proper nutrition so I think food insecurity is really a lot about like, college students because sometimes, some this also like first time. I feel like a lot of them are like really trying to fend for themselves. Um, like when it comes to food and learning how to do that as well. But when it's when food is costing, how I know like the like food is getting a lot more is I uh, buy blackberries a lot. So last year, like a big thing of blackberries was six bucks, but now like a big thing is like almost ten bucks. I'm like I'm not, I'm buying that for berries that I'm gonna finish in a couple of days. But you can see that a lot of other, like, produce, fresh, nutritious foods. And so it's easier for you to just buy, like, the frozen food, which is not as much nutrition. Like, you're still getting something to eat. Um, you know, like, just the proper nutrition that students are lacking just because, like, there's, there's more money you got to spend to get the food that you need. Most college students don't only have so much money to spend. And they still have to pay other bills besides the food bill um so luckily yeah, i got your know, state university they do have a few pantry and i know a lot of institutions are starting to get few pantries kind of like combat this issue but you know it's still like a really big campus and this few pantries only it can be so big to like combat it combat an issue that's so large it Does help release some of that tension like it's still like an issue that the economy and college students are going to face um when it comes to like food nutrition and i think that also kind of just goes into a lack of nutrition like you know the mental health part of that too as well like that kind of is in To like poor like mental health you're not getting that proper nutrition so it's harder for your harder for your body to regulate your emotions while also trying to figure out how you're going to get this passage exam and all the stress that comes with school coupled with like stress and like you needing to eat just all the stress i feel like it's just heightened more about the economy uh like tensions and the rising uh like inflation rates that uh, josh had mentioned previously
0: yeah
3: Um, so (laughs) I just want to jump in here and say, you know, Corbin shared that we live together. So we obviously take stress two totally different ways. So he's very healthy. So, you know, knowing the exact price of blackberries compared to me, I can tell you that a two can dine from Popeye's is $10.99. Baby, let me tell you. So I just have to throw that in there. However, um, I'll come back to my fact, fact fact-based responses. Um, so I think one of the Greatest things that like Sydney really highlighted was the morale within the field of student affairs currently is just on a decline. People are tired um, and I know that we focus a lot on students just because it is student affairs, but we don't focus enough on the professionals that are currently within this field that are providing that support and challenge to these students. Um, And so we're losing them because we're not feeding into that morale. We're not boosting that morale at all. And I think the state legislature is only making that worse on top of, you know, Josh shared funding and resources as well. We need some monies. You know, we're here for the heart and we're here for the passion. But at the end of the day, if you can't buy that one gallon thing of blackberries and you can't buy your Popeyes, you don't want to stay in the field because how else are you going to eat? And I think another thing just to like round this off is like the attack on free speech for state employees, too, is kind of just I think we're seeing it play out real time in front of us of the censorship that is happening across all different states, specifically Florida. But let it not be known that the grass is not greener on the other sides. There are other states that are still doing this sneaky censorship for state employees. That way we can't talk about things. One thing that I'm thinking about specifically has just came out uh, November 3rd. November 30th, I believe, sent into uh, the constitutional rights rule of law and government operations subcommittee y'all know I come with my facts. Now, House Bill 599, which is the Gender Identity Employment Practices, it's basically just a an extension of the Don't Say Gay Bill, however, for employees within the workplace. And so the Don't Say Gay Bill has taken away the right for us to ask people their pronouns, uh, address people with those pronouns and things of that nature. However, this House Bill 599 is now introducing that into uh, the workplace to where An individual's pronouns, if if they share those pronouns and you don't believe that they correspond with their assigned sex at birth, then you're not required to use those or even address that individual with those, which is crazy. However, I think we're seeing that, you know, it's time for... Employees of the state to take a stand and make sure that we choose a side and make sure that you choose the right side that you feel aligns with your values, but also make sure that you're there for your students because you and the choices that you make to make statements um, reflect to those students. And I promise you, they are listening and they are watching your every single move. So make sure that you use your voice for the good.
0: Well, and I appreciate something you all, I think, have spoken to at some point. This isn't just Florida you know we're we're talking about your context but it's um it's not just naive it's pretty risky just to think well i'm not in florida so that doesn't apply to me because there are conversations there is political activity happening to formalize these sorts of policies in lots of different places so i appreciate you all highlighting that anything else you want to speak to before we shift to it's all about the four of you you're all like no i'm ready to talk about me so what about what about personal stuff what has life been like for you whatever you choose to share highs lows the things in between what's 2023 looked like for each of you
1: i guess i can go ahead and jump in here right quick i think there's been a lot of moments this year that for me personally, I've seen a lot of growth and I, I try to be intentional each year that I try to be intentional about growth and like the things that really I hold dear to me, like in terms of like interests and my identities and like where I want to grow. But if I'm thinking about like learning moments and kind of like. It kind of goes into all three learning moments, uh, an achievement I really felt for myself in the key event. Throughout this year, I engaged in a program that uh, exists between FSU and FAMU's College of Education. It's called PURPOSE, uh, which is essentially an educational research training program that helps scholars like think about educational research in terms of social justice. I really wanted to, throughout grad school, get more engaged with research I've since my undergrad, like I've been really interested in research. It's just something that I have a passion in and something I want to continue to do. But through the Purpose program, I've been able to really be connected to a community of other scholars that are really passionate about connecting research to social justice aims. And trying to use research as a tool to achieve social justice and also i've been able to create my own research study that i have a lot of passion with because it's um, looking at and exploring the phenomenon of the first year and transitional experience of first generation and lower income college students on campuses you know the challenges and barriers they face with that the uh, successes they have as as well just last week i kind of had the culminating experience where i got to present my research study where at least i'm at in my research study it's going to continue into next year which i'm super excited about but i was able to present on that and be surrounded by the cohort of other scholars that i did this journey with and it was really empowering because i did a lot of self-exploration through that about my own identities my privileges and, you know, especially thinking about the privileges that I hold and the position that I hold in higher ed and educational spaces. So it was a big learning moment and a really moment of growth from that. And then, lastly, um, I was really grateful to be able to attend SAXA for the first time this year in Atlanta, which I really enjoyed. I met some great people there and also connected with some people I knew already. Uh, I was able to present at SAXA through the digital poster presentation and also, lastly, I was able to get a assessment evaluation and research grant, which is going to help me continue the research that I started through Purpose. So shout out to Saxo for that, because I was not expecting to receive that grant. But I think it was um, really motivating to continue the work that I've started.
0: That's great, Josh. Uh, just for you to find those opportunities or for them to find you and then make the most of it. Congratulations. Those are huge And when the time is right, Clemson has an excellent doctoral program. So just planting seeds.
3: Yeah, thank you. I can go ahead and jump in here. So um, I think 2023 has been definitely a year full of challenges for me. I feel like the first half of the year we started out strong. Um, I feel like I was in a good headspace mentally and everything. And this summer really put me through the ringer, And so my journey is not all rainbows and butterflies. I I think my cohort mates are probably tired of hearing me say this at this point, but this has definitely been the worst year of my life for sure. Um, And I've been alive for 26 years, and this has been the worst one out of 26. I went through a lot of self-exploration as I shared through this program, which I'm forever thankful for. However, I wish that I would have had the opportunity to see people that look and acted like me within the field or just within the state of Tennessee in general, I feel like it would have saved me a lot of time of understanding what identities are important to me and coming to the realization that I am a gay man that is very flamboyant and very feminine uh, in a world that loves cisgender heteronormative men. And so this program really pushed me through that and understanding how to use that identity to be there for representation within this state, within this field. However, mentally, I definitely was not prepared for it. Um, And so this summer I took a big hit, came out to my parents this summer, which is a huge celebration and a huge feat for me. I'm very thankful to, I should have thanked them earlier, like we shared, you know, we could have been here all day just thanking everybody. But shout out to my parents because they really welcomed me with open arms and showed me, have shown me nothing but love and support all the way from late night, you know, 1130 at night phone calls where I'm crying my eyes out over a boy to just something as silly as checking in on me every single day. And so that That only brought us closer together. However, like less than two months after that, I came out to the world and I didn't realize that at the end of that, like, you know, there's the possibility that you're going to lose friendships and you're going to lose important people in your life and understanding and being willing to accept that that's okay, that those people weren't meant to be in your life for long periods of time. They were just supposed to be here for a season. And so the coming out process, I just want to shout out to everybody that is listening to this podcast that has came out. Um, because that journey is very difficult. The decision to do so is scary. And I think the one thing that stopped me was hearing the term that once you come out, you never stop coming out. You do it for the rest of your life. And as scary as that is, it is also the biggest weight off of your shoulders. And so I encourage anyone that's listening and struggling with that identity, feel free to reach out to me. Let's talk about it if you are so comfortable, Um, but love yourself and give yourself a little grace This year with the rest of 2023, but looking ahead at 2024 and take care of yourself.
0: Thanks for sharing that, Dylan, and congratulations. And we'll get to predictions for 2024. So I'm hoping for and hoping that you will predict great things for 2024. Corbin or Sydney. how about you? Corbin.
4: Uh, So for me, uh, 2023 um, has also just like been a year of like just recentering and like grounding myself and like a lot of year for growth too as well. Um, cause like in previous years, like I didn't like have the most like love for myself just cause like I gave so much like other people. So this year was like, just recentering It's like, wow, I'm gonna take a pause, quit. Cindy, you wanna go? <laughs>
2: Sure. So for me, I definitely think like there were definitely some high highs and some low lows um, Most definitely um, a lot of people shaking their heads. They know. And I feel like some of the things that I've kind of like reflecting back on the year in December is I think this was the year of self-advocacy. And this was also this year of adulting. Um, You know, uh, being this is the first time. This was the first year that you know I'm I'm away from my family and learning how to do like the typical adult things. You know, paying for rent. How do I afford groceries? How do I have a support system away from my family? um, And you know, how do you do all these things when um, when you may not have as much support as you would like from home? And I feel like this year was definitely a lot of like trying to find my way as an adult. And I will say, like, that transition from undergrad to grad school was not the easiest. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the whole year, I kind of felt like I was playing catch up to, you know, closing out the chapter from undergrad and, like, assuming my adult graduate school life. And I feel like once I kind of got to that point, everything kind of changed again with my main support system being my office with my supervisors and my other grad. You know, they became, like, such a strong support system. I considered them my family. And then all of them had to go. Um, so that was definitely something that I was not expecting. It was kind of hard to come up from that. And then over the summer, you know, I did have to leave my assistantship. And I feel like, you know, something that I definitely learned throughout that whole process is how do I advocate for myself? How, how, how do I be okay with speaking up? And I feel like, you know, as a woman, and especially as a black woman, you are told to be palatable for other people. Um, mm-hmm. You're told to kind of pipe down and just take, Take what you can get because you need to be grateful. And I think a lot of the self-reflection that I had was, I think I deserve more than what I was getting. Um, I think I deserve to hear it, to have my voice heard. And I deserve to like have good things come my way. And I'm not gonna stay in a in a place that is that is being detrimental to me, my health, and my growth. So I spoke up for myself and was able to have a lot of great things come my way. And now I'm transitioning back into Delight, light and I'm hoping that it will continue through uh, 2024. But I'm definitely proud of like all the adult things I've done this year, all the professional growth, all the personal growth and um, everything I've done. So some of the things I've done is that um, I was able to do my first conference presentation this year at the uh, Southern Regional Orientation Workshop with Noah Sheridan, uh, we did a presentation about inclusive language for orientation leaders, which is really cool. And I also went to NOTA this year, and I won the best overall case study, which was really cool. Um, I kind of just did it as a whim, and then I and then I ended up win- winning with um, Jasmine Browder and Caroline Morgan, which is really cool. Um, that was able to meet people from other institutions, and we were able to take home the gold. Um, And then lastly, our whole cohort um, was able to present this huge assessment evaluation research project that we've been working on for the past year. Um, We did that, like, I think two weeks ago. And that was something really major for our cohort to kind of come together and say, like, okay, yeah, like we really did that. And we were able to get a lot of feedback from campus partners and our professor saying that it was some of like the best research topics and posters that she's seen in the time that she's done um, this project. So. Definitely a lot of accomplishments, and I'm definitely really proud of everything that I've accomplished, also everything that everyone else has been been able to accomplish, despite all the crazy things that's happened this year. Congratulations. That's great
4: yeah coming back to me uh thank you all for just holding that for a second so like this year has been a lot of just like resetting uh giving myself love that i never really had before i uh, like just like in past years I kind of felt like a little bit of like a dark time even though like i don't really show it because i'm not a person like shows the feelings a lot too because you know like I like a good happy energy of like a room um like just having a good presence and it's just like more so for me and uh do this program it's like helped me really like have to look in inward to myself and like really show myself love. Because, like a quote that we had this past semester in our class with Dr. Beatty. It was like so it goes some along the lines of I can't remember exactly. But it was like you can't like go so far, take people so far that you've come. I've learned that like I can't only take and like help my students out so far. or Even like my colleagues, my my peers, if I can't do that for myself, like give them like give the things I I feel like I deserve because I do try to give a lot to other people. Sometimes in the past, like it's been at a detriment to myself. Like this year is like me learning that it's okay to sometimes be selfish in a good way, not in like a. a way that you know it still takes away from others but to like put yourself first um so like, I think it's been a lot of that too as well like learning how to do that while well, also start trying to like do new things that I'm excited about and not just doing something just because I feel like it's going to get me somewhere push me forward for like a resume sake like doing it because I, I like enjoy it and I love it so like this year has been a lot of like to recenter myself on that too as well love myself like I said again I and mean, just continue to look forward is that like a growth mindset I think and just be more positive on like an outlook of life even when like things sometimes is like ending i feel it's gonna be okay i still wake up every day like i'm still i still have these people around me and it's gonna be fine
0: i appreciate what you all have shared and and yes corbin you said some really beautiful things and i think you said things that people really need to hear so thank you for that go ahead dylan
3: For our Higher Education Student Association, or HESA, um, last year I served as the first year rep, and this year I serve as the master's representative. And so usually I don't speak on behalf of the cohort, but this is the one time that I will go on record and speak for the entirety of the cohort, that Corbin Ryder is a goofy goober, first and foremost. (laughs) That man is silly as can be. However, this is the first time that I've seen him get emotional in a public setting, and I, I live with him. This man has a heart of gold, and I just want to thank him for the value that he brings to the cohort and that he brings to this program and for being there for me specifically at a time where I wasn't eating this semester. Corbin went out and purchased food and left it in the refrigerator for me to eat, and I... I struggle with saying thank you and making sure that people understand that they are valued. And so I want to take this moment to publicly say, like, Corbin, you are valued. Your response is amazing. And your heart is seen throughout every interaction that you have within this program at home and just in any general setting at all. So thank you. Did he buy you
0: blackberries? <laughs> no, there's actually there's a
3: funny story behind that. So for my birthday, he actually bought me brownies and then proceeded to eat the brownies and then went out and, then went out and bought me a new set of brownies. So, another oh. ten. It all works. That works. And he's one of the first straight men that I've ever been able to have an actual great relationship and conversation with. So shout out to him.
0: That's great. Let's look forward um, to 2024. Any predictions, and these can be personal, they can be national, they can be whatever kind of comes to mind or or popped into your head when you saw the question. I'll start with one. It's not going to get less political. You know, as we get closer to the election, it's hold on because it'll be a ride, I'm sure. So other thoughts? And it could be a hope, too. Doesn't have to be just a prediction. I'm sorry, Josh, go ahead.
1: No, I was actually going to respond to something you just said, like thinking about the election next year. I think it's kind of a hope and like something I think will happen and something I would love to see happen. It's like I'd love to like see more like challenging conversations had about like what's going on. Like a lot of the things that we've been talking about throughout this entire episode, I think we just need to have more challenging conversations about them and you know, come together and like have some dialogue. I think that's something that we really limit ourselves to sometimes because of, you know, the personal aspect of like how it makes us feel and how, you know, oftentimes we don't want to connect with people that like maybe it's a challenge to be around because of the way they think or the values they have. I would love to, you know, see that happen. And I do think, you know, in in certain ways it will happen, but we're thinking about the last election wasn't the most smooth one. So we'll see like what happens with that. And then lastly, one thing I would love to see happen, I would love to see SZA win album of the year at the Grammys next year for SOS. And that is all.
0: You have some co-signers on that statement for sure.
2: On the same note, I'll do my unserious ones first and then my serious ones. My unserious ones is that SZA will be winning album of the year. <laughs> Victoria Monet will be getting a Grammy, Grammy and Beyonce will be releasing the Renaissance live album the first week of 2024. All right. So my serious ones is that I hope, but I also kind of see it coming, is that um, a lot of uh, student affairs offices will start offering more um, benefits ca- catered to mental health, self-care. Um, I went to NODA um, this, this past year and hearing about all, what a lot of the offices are doing to make sure their staff are taking care of themselves, including one office they do like a, um, they let their staff take at least one hour out of the week to go work out. Um, Whether it be going to the gym in the morning, um, and that includes like travel, it it doesn't include uh, travel time, so they'll be able to go to the gym in the morning, walk around, take a group exercise class, something where um, they'll still get paid for that hour, but it's an hour where they have to do some sort of physical exercise. A lot of offices are offering more remote work days because people are realizing that, yes, you still can do your job without having to be there all the time. So I think that we'll see a lot more offices starting to realize that um, we do need to be mentally intact in order to help our students um, stay mentally intact as well. So I hope and I think that um, offices will start to start to incorporate more of those mental health or just healthy initiatives into their benefits packages hopefully. I
0: hope you're right about that for sure.
3: What else? That was actually the one that I wrote down was that as we get closer to this election, politics, policies, and all of these conversations over queer individuals, trans rights, Black individuals, the attack on rights across the nation for so many different marginalized communities, is only going to get worse. I think that states are now going to, this paint is going to wash off per se. And so we're going to start seeing everyone's true colors. Um, and so I, my hope is that whenever we see these true colors and we see the people that these state legislatures are showing us that we listen and you inform yourself you educate yourself and you go out and vote first and foremost whether that be at the local level the state level and the uh, national level whatever you were doing use your voice go out and vote um but also make sure that you're using it as an educated vote and not just some silly goofy mood to vote for kanye west for president (laughs) <laughs> On that note as well, my hope and something that like I would love to see is I hope that the LGBTQIA plus community knows that they are deserving of representation, they are deserving of support and so much love, not even just in the state of Florida, but across the nation. It goes hand in hand with what Sydney was talking about, about mental health and taking care of yourself. It's scary. It's scary to see that your rights are potentially being attacked or taken away from you. I know for me personally, as someone that has just recently come out, I I love the aspect of same-sex marriage and like potentially getting married one day or having children. And I know that I wake up every single day and live in fear that that right could be taken away from me just as quickly as it was given to us uh, in the early 2000s. 2010s, I should say. I want to leave this with one final thing um, before I do my unserious one, but I just want to say as queer individuals, we are here, we have been here, and we will continue to be here, uh, and we will continue to be represented across the country, so we're not going anywhere. Um, Okay, on an unserious note... Um, my hope is to see Nicki Minaj in concert in 2024. She just dropped her um dates, her tour dates. And I will unfortunately be presenting at ACPA at the same time that she will be uh, performing in Atlanta, which is where I really wanted to go. Um, yeah. But, you know, we'll see. And then I also just hope to kind of like Corbin said, kind of have that realization that he had of, continuing to provide that self-love for myself and understanding that I am worthy of love. Um, that is something that I continue to struggle with in 2023. And I hope in 2024, I have that realization um, that it's I'm not hard to love and that I deserve that love. Uh, and if someone else isn't going to give it to me, then hopefully I'll give it to myself.
0: That's great. So for me,
4: one thing going into next year, again, like kind of going in with everybody's talking about the elections coming up, so one thing I just hope for, like, everybody to, like, actually inform themselves before we go out and vote, um, be an informative voter and know who we're voting for, especially as we get closer and it starts to be more conversations about the issues that are are happening around the country. So I just, like, I hope for everybody, you know, whoever's listening to this, I hope, you know, you at least inform yourself on, like, the big issues, even smaller issues that people might not seem might not be as big of an issue, but, like, still being informed on the issue and just getting out and just learning about the issue um, through um, multiple sources of media. You know, not one source of media is probably the best source of media to get to. So, you know, kind of diversifying, like listening to more than one side to like really understand what's being said. Um, So I'm hoping like more people, especially after like now, especially going through the 2020 election and and being like going through COVID, you know, people are kind of like forced to like, you know, really sit down. We had to like learn everything through that stuff. I hope now that kind of like transitions over to be more informed and force ourselves to look for more than just one source of media to get our, our information before we do vote in uh, November. I think it's when elections happen. Another another hope I do have um, going into the year two as well. And this is also kind of like going like a more international issue. Hope that, you know, there is a ceasefire for like the Palestinian issue. Um, I know currently that there was like uh, a ceasefire was being passed in the UN um, and uh, the US, which is one of the like P5 powers was the only P5 power that vetoed that bill, which is kind of surprising. Well, not surprising, but you know, it's interesting to say the least. So, you know, I hope that it does come to a ceasefire. Something does you know come more positive out of that situation, sending like all the positive vibes to you know, Palestinians and all those in that conflict right now. Yeah. So I'm gonna say one positive thing happened to me next year Drake and J. Cole, they have a, a joint tour. So me and one of my close friends, we are going. Drake and J. Cole were my top two Spotify rap artists. So it was destined for me to, to go. So that's my positive for next year. And just, uh, you know, hoping that they put on a good show. So I, 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 my hope is that they're going to put on a great show.
0: I love that. Well, and I realized as I was looking at the script, my wrap up question was supposed to be personal hopes. But why don't we just kind of close with, Whatever you want to share, if there's something that we didn't talk about that you want to touch on, if you do have some hopes for yourself that you haven't shared yet that you want to share, I yield to you. And um, Sydney, would you mind starting us off?
2: I don't mind at all. Wonderful. Thank you. So just a general hope is we are looking for jobs. So y'all heard all of our names. So, you know, follow us on LinkedIn so we can get hired. Um, So that's just a general hope. Um, Some personal hopes is that Um, I always say every year it's my it's my goal to grow and be more confident in the person and woman I am than I was before. So I just hope that that happens wherever I end up next. I hope I'm able to forge forge my own pathway, find a support system, live a great life and be happy with what I do. And I love student affairs so much. I hope to continue the happiness that this work um, provides me. And um, some just final thoughts um, in general, you know, let's reduce the stigma of grad grads changing graduate assistantships. It's OK. Sometimes things just don't work and they can grow in other places. So let's let's start reducing that stigma. The last thing is for any professionals out there, you know, really, really think your grads and look and look for your and look out for your grads, you know, Grad school is hard. If you're a professional, you probably went through it, and especially in the day and age now. As we talk, talked about before, with all of the mental health issues, all the legislative things happening that are attacking identities, really try to provide that support that they probably will need um, because they probably don't have that support system. They may be away from home, or they may not be able to find that within their cohort. You know, I can really, I love my cohort. However, I want to make sure that. As professionals, you are providing them that safe environment where they can grow as professionals, but also grow as people and you can provide the support for them. But yeah, that's it. That's all I got. That's
0: great. Corbin, how about you? Closing comments?
4: Yes. Yeah, so my closing comment is I just want to say first, uh, I, I wanted to shout them out. But first, shout out to my office uh, that I work at currently at Florida State University, it's the Center for El- Advocacy and Wellness. Also known as CHA, for anybody who wants to work at FSU, CHA is a great place to work at. Very, uh, you know, we definitely talk about holistic wellness, you know, being yourself, um, taking your break, And I think it's been a great place for me to grow as a professional too, that has allowed me to like explore more um, of higher ed, how like health and wellness is connected to all of higher ed ed as well. Um, Because previously before, I did not, would not have thought about that. Um, But definitely my director, Rose reside. Open my eyes to that as well. Kind of going off what Cindy said, um, we're all looking for jobs. Please follow me on LinkedIn, uh, hit me up, um, and let's get in contact about, uh, you know, you know, giving me some, some opportunities, to say the least. Uh, <laughs> uh, and that's all I have to say for my closing remarks.
0: Well, it, it prompts me, I'll double check with you all after the episode, but I can put your LinkedIn links when I post the episode and then one click higher, right? multiple offers to navigate. That's what we're going for. So wonderful. Josh, what about you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. First off, one hope I really do have for myself going into the next semester, spring semester in 2024, I just really want to spend some intentional time with those that I have come to like really connect with and love in this program. I think this episode and the time that we spent together has really shown me how much I care about these people that are in my cohort and how much I've learned from them. And I really want to spend some intentional time next semester with them because we're never going to have this experience ever again. And I really just want to continue to learn from them and also celebrate with them. We're about to graduate, which I think is super exciting. You know, and also going into next year, I really just want to continue to uh, learn myself and understand myself and give myself space to rest and reflect, something I don't think I give myself enough time and space to do. So I really want to do that. And then lastly, as others have shared, I will also be looking for a full-time position in student affairs, higher education. I am looking to live and work in the Atlanta area. So any institutions that would like to speak with me, I would definitely love to learn more about your institution and like the opportunities that you have and to continue to live in the Southeast. I'm very excited about the new opportunities there. So thank you all. I really appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Josh. And Dylan, how about you? As we wrap it up, what are your thoughts?
3: Absolutely. So i Think uh, this one is a little less personal um, and a little more speaking for the group. Like I shared, uh, serve as the master's rep for HISA at Florida State University, um, and like Josh shared, I hope that we continue to recognize these strong relationships that we have developed as a cohort. I hope that we continue to foster those in the future and that we never lose contact with one another. I'm sure that sometimes there will be hard feelings there and things of that nature, but I hope that we recall these two years that we've spent connecting and building these relationships both professionally and personally, and I hope that they continue to blossom in 2024 and beyond. The second one I will say is that I hope that I continue to learn how to take care of myself. Like I shared, 2023, the worst year of my life. But I hope from this experience, all of the things that I've learned thus far um, are really going to propel me forward into 2024 to be the best version of myself that I can be. Because like Corbin shared, uh, I can only take students as far as I've came. And so I hope that I continue to walk that path and continue to be the best professional that I can be. Um, And then finally, I hope to be a professional similar to my mentors like Dr. Maggie Darden, future Dr. Amy Haggard, Freddie Juarez, and Dr. Cameron Beatty, who have been not only just the kindest individuals to me, but also the most influential individuals. And I hope that I can be that for the next generation of individuals. So as I'm wrapping up, you know, we're all looking for jobs. So in wrapping up, as we all shared, we're all looking for jobs and things of that nature. So if you have a fraternity and sorority life position, hit me up. Let's chat about it. And then my final and serious hope for 2024 is that I find a rich man that is going to take care of me and still support me even as I work in student affairs and make a little money. So if you work in student affairs, stay away from me. But if you are a millionaire or a billionaire, come my way. Well,
0: I really want to thank you all. I think... I'm not sure how many episodes I've done. It's 70-ish. This is one of my all-time favorites. And I hope that as you're listening, you hear the brilliance that is about to join us full-time. Some of them have already been working a little bit full-time, I suspect. But it lifts my spirit. You know, at the end of the semester, we're all pretty worn out and dragged down, and I am so grateful for each of you being willing to give your time to the conversation today. So thank you so much for that. Today's Essay Today podcast is brought to you by Saxa, and we thank them for their support. If you have ideas for future episodes or a topic you'd like to discuss on the podcast, please let me know. Again, it's really an honor to get to be a part of these conversations with the Saxa community and other partners. As we close, I'd like to leave you with this quote. Your Education is a Dress Rehearsal for a Life that is Yours to Lead by Nora Ephron. Thank you for listening. My name is Michelle Botcher, and it has been a pleasure to host this episode. Congratulations on all you achieved, survived, and the creative ways that you thrived in 2023. Take care, everyone, and have a beautiful day.